as I've gone through life, there's been some things that I've wanted to learn. As a child, I wanted to learn how to tie a particular knot so that our calves that we tied up for 4-H wouldn't get away. But I could never learn how to tie it accurately in the first few months. And so what would happen is I'd tie the calf to the, to the barn where we kept them up at night, and I'd go in the next morning and they'd all be loose. Fortunately, the door was closed. And so my brother would teach me how to tie the knot, and we did this for a week or so. And I was either a slow learner or I'm not a good knot tire one, but it took a while for me to learn to tie the knot, and I was not putting the rope back through one of the loops. And so when I learned to tie the knot, I was okay. The disciples had a question. They wanted to learn how to pray. And so when you want to learn something, sometimes you've got to ask questions. <coughs> And the disciples were asking a very significant question about faith. And they wanted to learn how to pray. On another little humorous note, there was a, uh, a boy that wanted to learn how to catch a ball with his dad. His dad would throw it, and he couldn't catch it. He was four or five years old, and he was a little uncoordinated. And his dad kept showing him how to hold the glove, or how to turn the glove when the ball was up higher, you know, or how to put it down on the ground when the ball was rolling to him. And the boy just couldn't seem to get the coordination correct very many a time. So his dad gave him a challenge. His dad said, if you can catch it three times in a row, I'll get you an ice cream cone. And so the boy kept saying, well, when do I put the glove on the ground? When do I turn it this way? He wanted to learn, not just because of the ice cream cone, but because he wanted to learn how to do it. So he kept asking, and he kept asking. And finally, after several weeks of going out and practicing in the yard, the boy successfully caught the ball in the air three times. And so they were all elated. And so the boy and the father go to get the ice cream cone, and the boy goes... <laughs> he was a little uncoordinated. Asking questions learning how to do things, are significant in our lives. Learning how to do a math problem. I didn't like story problems in math. How many of you like story problems? David, you can't raise your hand now. <laughs> David's a math teacher. Do you guys like story problems? Some of you do. But I never liked story problems. But I needed to learn how to do them to get through the 7th and 8th and ninth grade. I made a lot of trips up to the teacher's desk to ask, how do you do this? Asking. Asking questions. And the disciples had a question right here. How do we learn how to pray? How do we do this? How do we learn to talk with God? C.S. Lewis once wrote, The moment you wake up each morning... All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Have you ever heard, thought about that? You wake up and, boy, just a thousand thoughts go through your mind. I've got to do this and this and this and this, and the kid's got to be here, 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 and here. And you only got an hour to get it all done, it seems. And he goes on to say, the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back in listening to that other voice taking that other point of view and letting 
that other, larger, quieter, stronger life come flowing in. So it's kind of pushing it all back when you wake up. All those thousands or hundreds of thoughts that you have that you want to do that day and kind of push them all back and just listen for God. And just ask him, God, what do you want me to do today? What can I do for you today? Listen for God. Just talk with God. For some of us, the first thing that we do when we wake up in the morning, you know, we're trying to get that one eye open. Hoping to get our thinking cap on someplace between opening our eyes and that morning juice that you might drink. And we don't let God take enough root in us. We're thinking already about what we got to get done. What's on our agenda for our school work? What's on our agenda for our business? And we forget to let God just flow in and take root in you. How do you face the morning? Do you say, good morning, Lord? Or do you say, good God is morning? And the answer sometimes might lie in what you have to do that day. But I hope that you take time to let God in. And that you ask God to be a part of your day. And you ask him, what can I do for you? What do you have for me today, Lord? What do you want me to accomplish? Whenever you choose to pray, it is to live in an environment when one takes time to praise God, when one takes time to thank God, to confess your sins, your shortfalls, when you mess up, and to pray for others, and to present your personal request to God. We do that, don't we? And sometimes we just do that last part. Lord, I need this today. Lord, I want this today. And we can kind of overlook some of those other things when we really need to praise him and thank him and pray for others and say, hey, Lord, I messed up. Can you forgive me? I know you will, but I need to tell you what I did. I'm sorry. We need to say that. We need to say that to each other in this room. I remember the first time someone said, Rusty, you're forgiven. Oh, wow. To hear that be said, I forgive you. Have you said that to somebody? Have you told somebody that you have actually forgiven them? It's an important step of faith to be able to say, you're forgiven. Luke 11, the disciples were kind of eavesdropping in on when Jesus was praying. And they were so moved by what they heard, they requested, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to know what to say. And I believe that the key is learning to pray like Jesus prayed. It's not with flowery speech, but being sincere and honest. Some of the most gracious prayers I've heard have come from the mouth of children. I remember the time I was making a visit to a family and the grandmother was very ill. And we all were gathered around her bed in a circle. 
And the little boy said something almost exactly like this. Dear God, help Grandma to get better. She's really sick. And I want to eat some of her cream corn tomorrow. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of sincerity in that. He had an affiliation with his grandmother that he loved, that he associated with cream corn. And he didn't want her to be sick. And he knew God could help take care of that. Sincerity in our prayers is so important. Praying from the heart. Praying from the heart. Not what I want, but what you want, God. Not what I need, but what you want me to do today. Prayers like this grandchild are spirit-filled, and they contain a power, and they bring a presence of God and a peace to the room. About 15 or so years ago, if you remember, the Washington, D.C. sniper terrorized the D.C. area. You know, they took lives of several of area residents and wounded some others. But there was a group of truckers, if you remember the story, there was a group of truckers who prayed that the sniper would be found and that they would be removed. Remember those D.C. snipers? Remember those? And how they terrorized that community? And these truckers gathered together for prayer one morning, and one of the truckers, Ron Lance, felt a tug on his heart that he believed that the snipers would be caught soon. And as he left that prayer meeting and started driving down the, down the road, he felt this urgent need to pull into a rest stop along the highway. He hadn't been driving very long, so it was kind of unusual for him to make such a quick stop, but he felt that tug on his heart again. We've all felt that tug on that, our heart, haven't we? When we should go see someone or when we should stand up and say something or when we should just have that tug. We've all had that. And Ron Lance had that tug on his heart. that he needed to go into this truck stop. And he did. And he had just heard the description of what the car was like in the prayer meeting. And there sat that car with that description right there. And he checked the license plate. And that was the car. So he eased on past the vehicle, and he blocked the exit as he called 911. And of course, you remember the story, they caught those D.C. snipers right there. The power of prayer, the power of listening, obeying what God is telling you is powerful. It's unmeasurable. If we'll just pay attention to what's going on around us and to what God is saying. I love the picture of Norman Rockwell when the older gentleman is, has his head bowed at the table. Have you seen that picture? The man is getting ready to eat and he just has his head bowed, just giving thanks for a simple meal. For a simple meal. Can't tell you the number of times I've sat in a restaurant and seen a couple or an individual or a family stop and just give thanks for what God has provided them. Wow, how powerful. But yet, what a witness. 
to be able to stand out or step in a restaurant and just bow before the Lord. doesn't matter when you pray. Jesus prayed early in the morning, remember? Early in the morning in Mark 1.35, Jesus left the house and went to a secluded place to pray. Why should we pray in the morning? <laughs> to prepare you for the day. To help you be prepared to resist temptation. But to let the love and grace of God fill you up. To prepare you for a spiritual battle that you don't know you might be facing. Or to remove temptations that you might encounter throughout the day. Jesus prayed during the day. Daniel in the Old Testament prayed during the day. In the Old Testament we have the examples of Daniel and others who prayed during the course of the day. The scriptures say Daniel prayed three times a day. And in six, Daniel 6.10 now, when Daniel had learned the decree, remember the king issued a decree to Daniel or to the whole community? And when Daniel learned of it, that no one was to pray to anyone except the king, he went right home. Daniel went right home. He went right upstairs. And he prayed to God. He threw the shutters open. And he went ahead and prayed, even though he knew that the decree was and he'd be thrown in a lion's den. He didn't resist. He didn't slow down. If anything, he accelerated his prayer life. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we read the importance of praying without ceasing so we don't yield to temptations of the world. And we need to pray for our church leaders, but we also need to pray for our world leaders. Don't hesitate when you pray to pray for our officials. Include them in your prayers. And Jesus prayed at night. Following the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus went off to the mountains to pray, and sometimes he prayed, and, and sometimes he prayed way into the night. Now, I don't know if praying is more important than sleeping, but I believe it is. Jesus prayed way into the night. And sometimes we just feel like we need to do that. Pray way into the night. Now, I don't know if there's a proper position that one must be in to pray. But I think it's kind of funny sometimes. When we're here, gathered here, or gathered someplace, and someone says, look to the Lord in prayer, what does everybody do? What do you do? If I say, look to the Lord in prayer, what are you going to do? Yeah. Where is he? I just always thought that was kind of funny. That when somebody says, look to the Lord, we just bow our heads. But understand the humbleness and the significance and the reverence. But I don't think the position or even the time of day is so significant. Jesus looked up when he prayed. Jesus knelt when he prayed. They lie down when they pray. You can pray when you lie down. Abraham in Genesis prayed on his face, and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane fell on his face to pray. But just don't give up or give in. A college professor of mine began praying for a greater Christian and Quaker presence on the campus where he was teaching religious classes. 
And he kept up his daily prayer for 40 years before he saw the fruition of his prayer. My childhood minister, Dorothy Pittman, had previously been a missionary in Kenya, Africa. And they were taking a ride in a jeep from one village to another so they could do some ministry. And on the way to the second site, the vehicle broke down. And they had to walk the next few miles to get to the next place, next village. And as they were walking, some lions began to follow them, and they began to even encircle them a little bit. And walking around them, Dorothy Pittman told the story. And at that point in time, one of Dorothy's friends that lived in California, in the middle of the night, woke up and felt the need to pray for Dorothy Pittman and her friends. Well, all of a sudden, the lions left. You know, getting back to the story in Africa, all of a sudden, the lions left. Dorothy didn't understand. Years later, when Dorothy came back to the United States, she was talking to a group of people. And as she was talking, that lady that had prayed in the middle of the night was there. Dorothy conveyed that story. And they found out that it was the exact hour of the day that Dorothy needed prayer because the lions were encircling her that that lady woke up and prayed. Prayer makes a difference. Being obedient and hearing the voice of God asking you to do something, praying is important. Being connected, just talking with God, just talking and listening can make all the difference in the world to someone else's life, maybe your own. Mary Lou Jones, a kind and hospitable homemaker at the first church where I was a pastor, New Burlington Friends, was a prayer warrior. I grew up to adore her and her ability to pray. I loved going to her house because she could pray. Short, simple prayers, powerful, but a presence that just would grab you and draw you in. She was an honest, soul-seeking servant of God who had learned to pour out her heart, to give praise, to give thanks, to help change the lives of others. If you have a decision to make, if there's something on your plate that you're not sure which direction to go and what to do, then pray. Doesn't take matter whether it takes a week or 40 years. Now, some decisions have to be decided before 40 years, but it doesn't matter. Stay with it. Jesus prayed to overcome temptations. Are you being tempted? Are you doing something you shouldn't be doing? Pray for strength. Ask God to help you. Jesus prayed to impact the world. That's where we pray for our world leaders. Prayer should be the first and last word of your day. When we rise and when we fall asleep. Charles Spurgeon once wrote... Oh, it's a glorious fact that prayers are noticed in heaven. So don't think that your prayers aren't heard 
aren't known. And in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So sometimes we need to pray with friends. We need to pray with others for strength, for guidance, so that we know as a group what God wants from us.